1: Chevrolet Box Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two rolling along here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Come down, say hello. I don't bite, I promise, even though I can be prickly from time to time on the radio. Um, We're giving away a pair of tickets. Vegas versus Washington later on this month. That's right, the, the return of Alex Ovechkin to T-Mobile Arena where he arguably achieved the greatest thing that he's ever achieved in his professional career. But more on Alex Ovechkin in one-timers. I promise you, we will get there. But you need to get here to the underground lab the Oyo Hotel and Casino. $3 Bacardi's, $3 New Amsterdam's, $3 Jim Beam's, Bud Bucket's 5 for $10. It's the Strip's only 24-7 $1 Blackjack. I mean, what could be better than that? Not very many things. $1 Blackjack. You can be a big winner, and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to do it. Closest free parking to the MGM Grand Garden and T-Mobile Arena. You know what that means. Time to pregame for the Vegas Golden Knights. You want to do it here at at the Underground Lounge. Also, just kind of a a, a personal thing because I'm here every Monday 4 to 6 with the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show Chris Chapman the music selection here is never ever ever bad it is always on point always phenomenal and it's eclectic and it takes you from very different spots and stages but it is always hitting always on point and that is so important for a place that you want to come to that you want to have some drinks at and you want to get to a game or a concert this is the best pre-game spot in town not even close
0: yeah i i get to sit and hear it in the background uh during breaks and while you're on the air and while we're setting up everything and man it's so good like right now by the way i don't know if i mentioned on the air we had the debate a couple weeks ago pearl jam and nirvana yeah i went back and listened to Nevermind like the day or maybe the next day after we had that discussion it holds up so well. It's such a good album. Like, I was kind of dismissive of, of just how good it was. Uh-huh. And I, I say that because I hear Nirvana in the background. And it, it was such a good album from start to finish. Like, there's so many good songs that you completely forget about. And, and, and it's like, man. I hear that stuff in the background at the OYO, and I, I kind of wish I was there, because I'd probably be singing along. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing the show. I'd be singing in the background. I, I mean, I heard some Panama by Van Halen when we were yeah. in break. It, just good stuff all around.
1: Yeah, no, there was uh, pre, pre-show, pre there was a stretch where it went, uh, it went Iron Maiden into Elton John into, um, I, I want to say it was... I think it was Audio Slave and then Smashing Pumpkins. Like, it, it was all over, running the gamut. It was fantastic. Uh, but that's what you want to do. You want to spend time on the strip, uh, strip adjacent. It, it is the Oil Hotel and Casino, the Underground Lounge specifically. You can place all your wagers at the William Hill Sportsbook. I mean, everything you could ask for is right here in one nice, tidy package. And then, as I mentioned, if you get down here before six o'clock, you put your name in the hopper. You can get. You could win a pair of tickets to Vegas and Washington later this month. That's going to be a massive game for the Vegas Golden Knights in their quest for the playoffs. But right now, we've got to discuss a victory for the Vegas Golden Knights, a 6-1 drubbing of the Arizona Coyotes. It is time for the official V- Insider Game Ratings brought to you by Nova Home Loans, the best combination of service rates and fees. You see what I do that time with the pepper? You see what I do with the pepper? The people, the people, they want the pepper, all right? They want the pepper.
0: All right, Chris Chapman, where are you going? Well, it's Carolina Reaper. (laughs) You you get Max Pacioretty back. He scores the game-winning goal. You have Brady McNabb, who who, I think if you follow me on Twitter, I I think you know that I am a huge, huge fan of Brady McNabb, a career-high three-point night for the big man from Saskatchewan. Robin Leonard was stellar in that game because Arizona had a chance to get back into it, right? It was 2-1 to one in the first period, and, and Leonard was lights out at the end of that first period. Um, it, it, was, it was a great game all around. You, you did what you weren't supposed to do to the Arizona Coyotes, and that's you kicked their ass all over T-Mobile Arena. You absolutely <laughs> destroyed them in every aspect of the game. I'm sorry, Cam Deneen. From my hometown of Thomas River, New Jersey, went to the same high school as me. He was a minus two on the night, but I'm smiling from ear to ear because the Golden Knights absolutely obliterated a bad team, did what they were supposed to do. That game was over in the second period, and there was no doubt about it.
1: All right, so I'm going to get to my rating here in a minute, but do you think it's weird that no one called to complain about the power play?
0: No. Wait, nobody called to complain? Well, of course not. (laughs) They won 6-1. Right. But, <laughs> but Chapman, we were here a week ago, right? We were here
1: a week ago, and three of the calls that started us off were complaining about power play. Now, in fairness, and I am going to, to put myself out there, I was the first one to complain about power play last week. But it was something on the mind of the fans, obviously. Now, we, over the course of that show, penciled in five power play goals over the final ten games for the Vegas Golden Knights. Right, like that's what we were hoping for. That's what we were looking for. I'm going to give this game a Carolina Reaper, mainly because I said I was throwing the process out the window. <laughs> I, it, it is, it is a, it is a five or a one, and it is strictly dependent on whether or not the Golden Knights get two points or not. That, that is it. And, and I'm not sure yet, Chapman, if like an overtime loss is going to put me into like bell pepper or jalapeno range. I haven't gotten there yet. We haven't had to do that. But I, I, it, it's, it's, a, it's an either-or in this situation, and, and I've, I've fully committed to that. But if I were to add some nuance to the situation, this is all I would say about that game against the Arizona Coyotes. It was a no-doubter for sure. The Golden Knights, they had some scary moments. I would say the final 12 minutes of the first period where Arizona kind of pushed back, and they looked like a team that could have made it more difficult. Getting to intermission with a lead was massive for the Golden Knights. I think if that game's tied, we're looking at it through a completely different lens today. And then the ability to come out first thing in the in the second period, score a goal, settle in, and then blitz them in the third period. Really good stuff from the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, I'm not I'm not gonna abandon my process, but I am going to sit here and say that at one point in that game, I think the Golden Knights were up four enough, four to one or five to one. They had a power play opportunity And I said flat out, I don't want them to score. I don't want you to waste one of your five power play goals that you're hoping to get down the final 10 games in a game where it's a no-doubter. I would rather the Golden Knights get a power play goal in a game where it means something, and there's going to be few and far between, and that part is the part that I want to really hone in on here um, that bothers me about the game against Arizona because the Arizona Coyotes are terrible on the power play, and the Golden Knights got... (laughs) One shot through three opportunities.
0: Well, the reason you don't get calls is when the team's winning and they win six one, people aren't going to call and complain about power play. If they lose that game six one and they have an abysmal performance on the on special teams against Coyote, all of a sudden things things change. But
1: Chris, Chris, we were here a week I know, ago I know. on a five game win streak, I know, I know. and I know. we were talking about the power play, which I was like leading the charge because. <laughs> Guess what, Chapman? You weren't going not, in
0: positivity alley that day.
1: They have not scored a power play goal since last week.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what, what happens this week because I think if, <laughs> if they lose two of these three games and the power play is no good, Monday the phones are going to be lit up with people calling to complain about the power play.
1: Yeah, I was fully expecting to get at least a call in, this, in the first segment today about the power play. I really was because, again, when you factor in the opponent, it being the arizona coyotes who are terrible on the on the penalty kill and then the golden knights certainly had moments earlier on in the game where they could have put it away and they didn't do it and they weren't effective on the man advantage and it didn't look particularly dangerous i think that's the only thing i'm going to pull like if i were if i were looking at this without nuance and i was focused in on the process the power play would knock me down at least a percentage point but we're not playing that game my official game rating is a carolina reaper that's two five out of fives Uh, do you want to you and i come to an agreement on what we think mallard's choice would be for this well i think
0: it's a no-brainer i think he would have made it five for five or five three for three on the five out of five all right Um, so
1: honorary honorary game rating from darren millard is a five out of five so the golden knights pick up a a clean sweep of our game rating brought to you by Nova Home Loans the best combination of service rates and fees so good news for the Vegas Golden Knights going into Vancouver tomorrow is that Mark Stone practiced today Um, I find this really intriguing and I'm gonna go back to something Pete DeBoer talked about after the game against Arizona where Max Pacioretty and Chandler, Steve- Chandler Stevenson anchored the third line for the Vegas Golden Knights, and it was a matchup nightmare all night long for Arizona. Mark Stone practiced today in a blue third-line jersey with Chandler Stevenson and Max Pacioretty. Chapman, can you imagine what this team could do if that's legitimately your third line?
0: Well, and, and I think it might be something that you would lean to because we know that those three guys play extremely well together. Chandler Stevenson, by the way, I mean, I, I don't think there's an award for, for a player who's come out of nowhere and just absolutely exceeded your expectations, but Chandler Stevenson would be at the top of that list because you look at his point totals for the season, he's done it largely without Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. So you, you add the three of them together, that is because, I, I'll be honest, I don't think you break up Dadonoff and Jack Eichel. I I think there's a lot of chemistry that those two have developed, and I like the way that the misfit line minus Riley Smith is played. I, I I it's it's terrifying to think that that could be a third line. Imagine you're the Edmonton Oilers or you're the Vancouver Canucks, and you're like, oh crap, that's their third line. Uh, most teams would have that as their first line. So it's certainly something that at least until you can ease Patcharadi and Stone back into the the the, the a full game and, and a full, you know, set of shifts for a game. I, I think that's probably not a bad idea for Pete DeBoer.
1: So that's the interesting thing, right? Because after the game against Arizona, Pete was asked specifically about the ability to have Patch Reddy and Stevenson on your third line and what that was able to do and creating mismatches. And Pete said, yeah, well, you know, down the middle, if you've got Jack Eichel and William Carlson and Chandler Stevenson and whether it's, it's Chandler Stevenson whether some nights it's Jack Eichel uh, you can create mismatches and and I think the point that makes the most sense to me is we understand this has been a tough season health-wise for Max Pacioretty and for Mark Stone if you can get those guys back into the lineup and you don't have to lean too heavily on them 18 19 20 minutes a night and you can manage that load down the stretch It puts you in a really good spot and it allows some of your smartest players to go out there and create some opportunities against opponents, players they ordinarily would not be going up head-to-head against. And on the other side of it, too is if you wanted to make that line a specialist line, if you wanted to lean into what Mark Stone does defensively and use that to your advantage and shutting down the opposition's best players, you could do that, and it frees up Jack Eichel. It frees up Jonathan Marcheseau. It frees up right now putting the puck in the back of the net for you. I think that the depth you might get from Mark Stone returning to the lineup and being able to play in different spots is going to be massive for this Golden Knights team. It's not a perfect situation because you're still missing players even if Mark Stone gets back in the lineup tomorrow but it's certainly better today than it was at any point last week for the Vegas Golden Knights
0: yeah it's it's a really I mean the the, the advantage here is we're, we're to the point now where if you get Mark Stone back and he's fully healthy and you have a fully healthy Max Pacioretty you're to the point where you've got to sit guys who've been playing pretty well for you. That's a good problem to have because, look, let's be honest. Shake Lasissian and Jonas Rambier, they haven't lit up the the scoreboard, but they've done a lot of the little things that have helped this team win games. You know, you you run into where do you put Matthias Yanmark now? Keegan Colasar, Nick Waugh. Where are those guys all going to play? Michael Amadio. So, it's it's a good problem to have for the Golden Knights where. You, you have this, this situation where you've got a lot of good players. It's just a matter of, of putting them in position now to help you win the most games because that's that's what's the most important thing now, winning games and getting into the playoffs. And at that point, you can, you can maybe do a reset if you feel you need to, or you kind of leave things status quo if things are going well.
1: So Mark Stone will be on the trip, and we'll get to audio here from Pete DeBoer in just a minute. But the question I got on the post-game show the other night is how, right? Mark Stone's on LTIR. The Golden Knights have just $5 million in the salary pool that they could utilize. Mark Stone, we know, makes $9.5 million. So you have to clear somewhere in the ballpark of $4.5 million. How do you do it? Well, this is how you do it. Now, there are a number of different ways. Could you trade a player? Sure, you could. We all understand and recognize that the Golden Knights could trade somebody, to make space for mark stone i don't get the sense that that's going to be terribly likely especially when you consider the number of players that are still injured right now for the vegas golden knights if you were to place right now will Carrier, nolan patrick and lorraine brossois on ltir and that was cleared through the league and it looked like a situation where retroactive to when they got hurt they're able to go on ltir that would get you conceivably to where you need to be in order to activate Mark Stone. So the avenues are there for the Golden Knights. Certainly, Kelly McCrimmon is going to figure out the best possible way to get Mark Stone activated. But I don't think we have to worry too much about the the salary cap or how it's going to happen. If Mark Stone is going on the trip, those parts are already put in play. You agree?
0: I absolutely do. Yeah, and, and look, I, I'm of the I'm of the mindset that if Mark Stone is traveling, he is going to see the ice in one of these games coming up. I don't know which one. You'd hope it's tomorrow, but it might not be tomorrow. But, yeah, I, I, I'm of the mindset that if he's traveling, he's playing at some point.
1: All right, so Pete DeBoer was asked today after practice uh, about Mark Stone's return and whether or not he might get into game action soon.
2: Yeah, there's guys out there that I don't even recognize I've got to reintroduce myself to uh no oh, it was nice it's nice it's nice to get you know that's as close to our group as we've had in a long long time so uh obviously you know he's a critical piece for us and uh you know we've missed him so even to have him out there even if he's not you know at 100% and full game speed uh um it's nice to have him back and integrated with the group uh no it's a possibility we'll see we'll see i would call it a game time he's going to travel with us and we'll make a decision then game time decision tomorrow
1: against vancouver gut feeling chris chapman does he play
0: not tomorrow i i i I think we're probably going to be a game or two away from seeing him although there's always the, the mindset, look, if he wasn't going to play, why would he travel to Vancouver? You could just have him take a, a, a charter flight or a, a, a private jet up to Edmonton. If he wasn't going to play in that Edmonton game, I think you bring him on the trip because it gives you a boost mentally in a game that you absolutely need it, which is tomorrow night, because I kind of feel like for for Edmonton or, or for Vancouver, if you beat them, their season's over. Sure. You you eliminate them from playoff contention. It's a four-point swing for both teams so I think the mental aspect is he's there and you know, all right, if we get over this hump, we're going to have him for at least one of the games in Alberta, if mm-hmm. not both. Yeah. So I think you bring him along for the mental aspect of tomorrow night. And then physically, I think you probably see him most likely in Edmonton, maybe less likely in Calgary, because I think he's going to play in Edmonton.
1: I think Mark Stone is going to play tomorrow because I think you want a game under his belt before you go into Calgary. I just think you do. I I think you want Mark Stone to kind of get his legs going to feel some contact before going into a game against one of the more physical teams and a team that you want to make a statement against. I firmly believe Mark Stone will play tomorrow. I don't have any information on that. I just think that it makes sense to get Mark Stone into a game as soon as possible to get that under his belt before going into a pretty hostile environment against Calgary. Like, I don't want Mark Stone's first game back over the course of missing 22 or 23 uh, to be against the Calgary Flames because they are a no-mercy type of team. And there's there's just too much without a tune-up that I don't like about that situation. Yeah,
0: and I, I obviously have that backwards saying that the Edmonton game is, is, is the first. Um, it's obviously Calgary on Thursday, and then Edmonton on Saturday. So you, you got that first game in the saddle. Dome. I believe his brother still plays for Calgary, right, M- 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 Mike? Yes. He, so, you know, that, that that's always an interesting aspect of it, too, right? His brother is, is a member of Calgary Flames. But that's a team where there's always been a little bit of hostility, even though it's not really a, a, a game that we look at as a rivalry or a team that we look at as a rival of the Golden Knights. But certainly, you, you, you look at the history of Matthew Kachuk, especially coming into T-Mobile Arena. Um, You know, they're they're so good on so many levels. I think you and I both were on the page pretty early that they were going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Pacific Division. But you you could be right. You know, you want to get that game under his belt and against a team that's going to antagonize you, a team that's going to hit you, a team that's going to play very physical. And quite honestly, as much as we talk about the Golden Knights wanting to send a message against Calgary, I think Calgary wants to send a message to the Golden Knights too. Like, hey, we're not afraid of you. Even if you have Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, you're not coming into our building, and you're not going to beat us. You know the history of, of your team coming here. We're going we're gonna to make a statement as well. So that game on Thursday, and I know we're jumping ahead of a little bit, but to me, that's a, that's a massive game, not only for the Golden Knights to make a run at the playoffs, but I think from a mental aspect for both teams, it's, it's a huge game.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Thursday. I, I don't have any problem jumping the shark here. Like, I, Tomorrow's game is important for sure, but I'm really dialed into Vegas and Calgary on Thursday because that could be the matchup you see to decide the Pacific Division. It really could. And that's based on the Golden Knights tracking down Los Angeles and doing enough in the final, uh, in the final stretch to make themselves, uh, to get themselves into the playoffs. Now, Pete DeBoer was asked about that. He was asked about kind of what this situation, what
2: this stretch of games is going to entail. We all know the situation. So, um, you know, I, I will say we're not going to make or miss the playoffs in the next five days. Um, so... I think however it goes, we've got to make sure that we manage uh, the fact that, um, you know, I think this is going to come down to the last couple games of the season. And, uh, you know, we've just got to take it night by night. And, you know, at the same time, we're probably not going to run the table. So, you know, we've got to handle the highs and lows of what's going to come at us here over the next three weeks the right way. The ability to
1: compartmentalize is fascinating to me when it comes to professional athletes. The fact that the Golden Knights were able to put out of their mind that really, really tough outing against the Vancouver Canucks and come back with a really dialed-in solid effort against the Arizona Coyotes speaks volumes to that. And I think Pete hits it right on the head for me. Um, There are going to be highs and lows. There are going to be wins and losses. There are going to be situations where the Golden Knights get knocked down in this stretch, and it feels like you're not gaining any ground and that's the most important thing to have dialed in beyond x's and o's beyond your game the the mental toughness you have to have in order to win in the playoffs the ability to turn the page like that at the snap of a finger has to be there and the golden knights are getting that down the stretch here in the regular season
0: yeah i think one of the things we don't talk about enough with pete is how he 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 has a little bit of a philosopher aspect to him like he he analyzes situations extremely well he's able to break things down very simplistically to to novices like like myself to where you understand exactly what he's saying and and he's exactly right you're not going to make or miss the playoffs in the next couple of games but the next couple of games are going to go a long way as far as determining whether or not you're going to be participating in the postseason or not
1: yeah, you're absolutely right. And then again, when it comes to the game tomorrow night against the Vancouver Canucks, we all understand where the Vancouver Canucks are in relation to the Los- to the to the Vegas Golden Knights and where their playoff aspirations lie going into tomorrow's game. Pete spoke about what's at stake tomorrow night in Vancouver.
2: Yeah, it wasn't X and O stuff. It was it was just a, a battle level. They they were a hungrier, more desperate team than us that night for whatever reason. I, I'm sure. You know they're 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 in a playoff they're in a playoff hunt where, you know, they have almost no margin of error. So you're going to get that, and we have to be ready for that. We can't, that can't surprise us. Do you think it's going to surprise Vegas tomorrow?
0: No, I think they have very very good memory, and they're going to remember what happened last week when this team came into T-Mobile Arena and beat them for the first time in regulation. I think it's something that this team is going to keep a, a, a very firm memory of and look I, I, I think he was right. I don't think it was an X's and O's thing. I just think it was a situation where Vancouver just played better than them and Vegas is going to have to flip the script tomorrow because Vancouver as, as we've mentioned and he mentioned is desperate. They're playing for their lives and I think this is a team that kind of fell behind the eight ball a little bit with Travis Green and they've, they've really rebounded nicely under Bruce Boudreau but we like Bruce we want to see a season come to an end tomorrow night.
1: Well, it won't officially come to no, an end, No, no, but I think I think
0: it, 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 it would go a long <laughs> way as far as putting Bruce and, and Elias Pettersson and Bo Horvat and that goalie from San Diego on vacation.
1: Why, why are you so down on Thatcher Demko? I like I Thatcher
0: Demko. Dude, I, 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 I talked to him at the All-Star game. He was so cool to talk to. Now I know I, why a certain former NBC broadcaster was madly in love with him because he's just such a cool guy.
1: So against Vancouver, like Elias Pettersson was the best player on the ice, right? Like We, we can all understand that and, and recognize that. To me, I'm interested to see if there are any adjustments that the Golden Knights make tomorrow night against the, the Canucks because... For Vancouver, they were able to stretch the zone a little bit. And I don't mean like stretch the the neutral zone or anything like that. It wasn't so, so much in transition or, or fast breaks or, or or that of that ilk. But it was inside the zone. You see it a lot from, say, the Colorado Avalanche, where Nathan McKinnon will play intentionally higher up in the zone, like but, but closer to the blue line. And it pulls defenders away from the net. It creates a lot of confusion. I'm curious to see if the Golden Knights are going to defend in their own zone maybe a little bit differently uh, than they did the last time they played the Canucks because Vancouver was able to get pucks in deep. They were able to go to work on the forecheck. They were able to kind of go low to high and then find seams for backdoor tap-ins. And if the Golden Knights don't clean that up, that is an X's and O's aspect of the game that will come back to bite them tomorrow.
0: Well, and I I think the thing is you can't allow some of their guys like Brad Richardson to beat you. I, I, I think the fact that, you know, he was one of the guys who put a puck in the net last week, that's, you know, it's like, what does he have, three goals on the season? That's not a guy you can allow to beat you. The one guy for me who I think kind of stirs the drink for the Canucks, you mentioned Pedersen, but I think it's JT Miller, and that's a guy yeah. who, who I think is the key. If you can slow him down and prevent him from doing his thing, I think you go a long way to beating the Vancouver Canucks, despite the fact that they have so much young talent. I think JT Miller's the guy who kind of like I said stirs a drink for them.
1: So what's your what's your thought then on this road trip? Because I I know we we talked about it it, with with the callers earlier on today, but I I'm looking at this road trip, I think you need five or six, right? Like in order to really control your own destiny, especially with the news now that Drew Dowdy is out for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs for the Los Angeles Kings. There is an avenue. There is a a, a chance, a a path clear for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think you need five out of six on this three-gamer. What say
0: you, Chapman? I think you need four. I think four out of six is is good enough. Um, Five would be great. Six would be amazing. But I think realistically, you you can't put one before the other. You have to take care of business tomorrow night, and I think that, that will go a long way. In terms of how you play in the next two, because if you lose tomorrow night, I think that could be a thing where it gets in your head and you're like, oh, no, here we go again with our troubles on the road. And now we've got to go to Alberta where we traditionally don't play great. Look, a lot of teams don't play great on that swing. But I think if they win tomorrow, they'll be fine. I think if they lose tomorrow, I think it could be a really long road trip.
1: All right. Chris Chapman, always the optimist. Uh, realist realist Yeah, there it is the realist Uh, uh, listen I I think that tomorrow is going to be interesting as much as I understand that the Vancouver Canucks were just better in a lot of aspects versus the Vegas Golden Knights the last time they played I do look at some specific X's and O's that I think need to improve for the Golden Knights we're going to get into that a lot tomorrow in the lead up to the game but I do think that there is something you gotta pull from that vancouver game and that is defending in zone and cleaning up the breakouts and maybe not being as predictable on those breakouts if you're the vegas golden knights and you can get away with it in this situation because you're playing the same team three out of four games it's not something that you deploy often uh, during a regular season because everything's mostly a one-off but this situation calls for a change of approach for the vegas golden knights and we'll get into that Tomorrow, We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with one-timers next. It's the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it.
0: He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought
1: to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. So Sidney Crosby, 1,400th point in the NHL in his 1,100th game. Seventh fastest player in NHL history to get to 1,400 points. Here's the question I have for Chris Chapman, and there's a couple on this theme, but I want to see where he goes here first. What would the point total be for Sidney Crosby right here, right now, Had he been healthy in his prime and not missed as many games as he did?
0: Well, I I think it would certainly be a lot higher up than 1,400. I think he probably would have. I mean, when you look at the games that he missed in the prime of his career, 2007, 2008, he played 53. 2008, 2009, he played 77. So the year before, 07, 08, he only had 72 points in 53 games. But that came right on the heels of having 120 only, points in the only,
1: only 72 and 51. Yeah, That's yeah, 50, yeah.
0: So but he probably if you look at the games because he missed a bunch of games there, he missed he only played 41 in 2010, 2011, 22 in 11, 12, 36, 12, 13. That's the prime of his career. Yeah. And in the seasons where he played a full complement of games during that stretch, which there were five of them, he had over 100 points in every single season. 120, 102, 103, 109, 104. He probably realistically has probably close to 200 more points. Yeah, I, 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 I know that's, that's a high number, but no, when, really. when you look at the production, I mean, this is a guy who should probably have at the very least – 1,550 points, if not 1,600 points?
1: So, that's kind of where I'm at, right? Like, I I looked at, you know, to me, the 2010-2011 season, where he's got 66 points in 41 games, 32 goals, 34 assists, like, that, to me, was a season where he was tracking to hit 135 points, and I think he was going to get there. I do. And then, when you when you look at those years missed, those games missed, you're, you're looking in the ballpark of like 150 games for context, for context, Alex Ovechkin has three more points in 167 more games played than Sidney Crosby. If you do the math, 167 divided by 82, that is two full seasons more of games that Alex Ovechkin has been able to play over the course of his career than Sidney Crosby. And I'm not, like, faulting Ovechkin because he's been healthier than Crosby, and I'm not dinging Crosby because he got a concussion and it took him a long time to get back. My point is, Sidney Crosby would be in a class all his own from a point production standpoint had he not been injured. Like, we look at Alex Ovechkin, and he's in a class all his own. When it comes to goal scoring, he is going to go down. I firmly believe this because I do think he's going to chase down Gretzky. I do think he's going to get that record. So when all is said and done, Alex Ovechkin is going to go down as the most prolific goal scorer in NHL history. Well, until Austin Matthews breaks his record. But we'll get to Austin Matthews in a minute. (laughs) Here's the thing. Sidney Crosby would be in that echelon. He would be on his own pedestal. From a point production standpoint, if not for the injuries, I think he's pushing 1650 if he was healthy. And I legitimately think that if Crosby was was in games in his prime, putting up the numbers that we were seeing, we're talking about a player that could he get to 2,000 points. I think that's how good and how dominant he's been throughout his career. And I think the question is, can Alex Ovechkin potentially? the best goal scorer to ever play the game be the second best player of his generation i say very easily he could because that belongs to Sidney crosby
0: yeah i i agree with you i i do think as good as ovechkin is and and look i i love alexander ovechkin i i don't think it's a secret um that i'm a huge huge fan but when you look at everything as equal and and i know it's tough because of all the games missed but stanley cup's Sid's got more, and I understand maybe Sid played with a few more Hall of Fame players than Alexander Ovechkin did, but it's not like Alexander Ovechkin's played with bums his entire career. I mean, John Carlson, probably not a Hall of Fame player, but a Hall of Very Good player. Evgeny Kuznetsov maybe, again, not a Hall of Fame player, but he's got a long way to go. Hall of Very Good. Alexander Ovechkin's played with some really good players. Tom Wilson, as much as people hate on him, he's a really good player. I don't think there's that stark difference in terms of which guys played with better players as as a lot of people would make it out to be, because Alexander Ovechkin's carried teams with some really good players. Sidney Crosby's just beaten them more times than not in games that matter in the playoffs, and I think that's something you have to look at. Like, all right, when these two teams played, or when these two guys played when it mattered most, which guy was on the right side of of the score column? And in more times than not, it was Sidney Crosby in large part because of Sidney Crosby.
1: Well, that's the big thing for me. He made everyone around him better, right? Like, when you turn Chris Kunitz into a bona fide first-line guy, when you're able to do that time and again with with players that you don't expect Sidney Crosby to play with, Pascal Dupuis and... You, <laughs> which is a thing that actually happened. Um, Sidney Crosby with with Teddy Bluger. <laughs> yeah, to Sidney Teddy Crosby Bluger. With, with Jake Gensel, and Jake Gensel's been a player for sure, but I mean, Sidney Crosby is the type of player that makes everyone else around him better. Uh, to me, you're talking best player, it's Sidney Crosby. I don't think it's particularly close, and the only reason it maybe appears closer than it is is because Crosby missed so much time in his prime. Let's keep with the Penguins, but switch superstar players Evgeny Malkin will have a hearing today for cross-checking Mark borvietsky in the face Austin Matthews for a somewhat similar play on Rasmus uh, Dahlin got two games uh, Alex, uh Evgeny Malkin has been suspended prior for a stick infraction one game how many games Chris Chapman will Evgeny Malkin be suspended
0: well I think the, the obvious answer is two but then you look at the fact that Yevgeny Malkin does not have a very long history. Um, he's only been suspended one other time in his career. However, it was a similar incident with a high stick. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that he, oh, he hit Michael Raffle of the Flyers in the face a couple of years ago, 2019. So three years ago, the only time over Malkin's 977 career game stretch where he has been suspended. So sticking infraction, my initial thought was 2, but when you factor in he's got a prior history, maybe he gets 3.
1: Yeah, I think I don't, three, I don't think anything more
0: than that. I think 3 uh, would probably be the high end. I think 2 is probably more likely.
1: I think if if Matthews gets 2 with no prior suspensions, I, like I'm going 3 for Malkin, I think that's kind of where it is. Vicious play, like kind of ridiculous, but you know, that's what happens when you're chasing down the playoffs and you're playing a desperate team in the Nashville Predators. Okay. So I it. we are going to get to austin matthews here because austin matthews has scored 51 actual goals in the last 50 games that he has played 51 goals in the last 50 games that austin matthews has played does that mean anything to you chapman
0: it means a lot to me and i'm shocked that i see but, people but, on, but Chris, on solar-
1: but Chris, it didn't happen in this team's first fifty games. I could but, care less. But Chris, it didn't happen in fifty consecutive
0: games. I could care less. But Chris, it only happened in the last fifty games that he played. I could care less. Look, I, I I can't believe that I see people on social media trying to downplay. And maybe because there are a lot of people just hate the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe people don't like Austin Matthews for whatever reason. Fifty one game or fifty-one goals in fifty games, it's absolute lunacy. It's insane that a guy could have that many goals over this course of 50 games. I mean, we 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 joke about, "Oh my god, it's great that the guy has a point a game." This guy has a goal a game in his last 50 games. I don't care if they were 50 if it was 25 games this season and it carried over to 25 games next season. It doesn't matter. It's 51 goals in 50 games. Goal scoring and and we hear coaches say it all the time. Pete DeBoer has said it a lot of times. Scoring a goal in the NHL is hard. To do it over the course of 50 games and average one goal in those 50 games, I can't even imagine how hard that is. Okay, so
1: scoring goals is hard. That's a truth, I get that. Alex Ovechkin has 775 goals in his career. Do you wanna know how many times over the course of a 50 game stretch Alex Ovechkin has scored 50 ga- 50 goals?
0: I'm going to say, oh, over the course? How many oh. seasons or how many games? No, no, no.
1: How many times in Alex Ovechkin's career with 775 goals has he scored 50 goals in any 50 game stretch?
0: I'm going to guess four. Zero. Zero? Alex oh, Ovechkin. I thought you were asking me how many 50 no, goal no, no, seasons. Okay. No.
1: Alex Ovechkin has never scored 50 goals in a 50 game stretch individually
0: he's never done it i can't imagine a lot of players have at least in this era maybe go back to like the 80s this has guys been like done. Mike bossy but
1: this hasn't been done since 1995. austin matthews is oh, it lemieux yes okay. austin matthews scoring 51 goals in his last 50 games is an accomplishment is it the arbitrary accomplishment that we have decided has to be the definitive 50 goals in 50 games no it's not did it happen in the first 50 no did it happen in 50 consecutive no because austin matthews was suspended and missed some time has it happened on the heels of this guy having wrist surgery in the offseason yes yes it has austin matthews is simply the best goal scorer in the game right now no disrespect to the eventual best goal scorer in the game alexander ovechkin no one's putting goals in the net with the proficiency of austin matthews right now and i think That if it happened in 50 consecutive if it happened in the first 50 if it happened in 50 over the course of the team playing 67 i don't care he's averaged a goal a game over his last 50 played let's celebrate that because you know what that's fun and in hockey we have this really difficult thing just accepting and leaning into things because they're fun and it might have something to do with the fact that austin matthews is a toronto maple
0: yeah let's. we got to look at this. So he's got 257 goals in only 401 games. So he's played one-fourth of the amount of games that Alexander Ovechkin has played. And he's got more than one-fourth of the goals that Ovechkin has if you average it out for every 400. He he may end up scoring 1,000 goals.
1: Yeah, I think Austin Matthews is going to be the guy that breaks Alex Ovechkin's record those are your one timers for monday april 11th one timers brought to you by paul powell more lawyers less fees catching up with chapman that's next fox sports las vegas
2: when the guy wouldn't stop talking
0: we had no choice but to give him his own segment it's time for catching up with chapman i know on this show we kind of like to well we like to have fun and talk about things that are fun I don't know if there's been anything less fun in the league this year than determining who was going to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference because those teams have kind of been set since January which eight teams were going to be in the playoffs. And there hasn't been a ton of real intrigue in who those were. I mean, the Capitals, you wondered, was there a chance that the Islanders would catch them? It was pretty it was going to be really, really difficult for any team to be able to catch that eighth seed. That being said, I have zero idea who is going to come out of the East in terms of representing them in the Stanley Cup Final. My gut tells me Tampa, but it could be any one of those teams. That I I, I feel safe saying that it won't be the Capitals. <laughs> but of the seven teams, and, I, and I'm not, despite the fact that I love Gerard Gallant, I like lo- I really really enjoy watching. Advantage. I don't think the Rangers are quite there yet. So maybe that's six teams or two teams that I have no no confidence in. But the other six, are you going to discount the Penguins? Are you going to discount the Leafs? I know they have problems with the goaltending. But they've got a guy who probably should win the Hart Trophy in Chapman, Austin, Matt. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: I, I can't pick one. I'm going to discount the Toronto Maple Leafs. If this could be up, the year. If they end up playing Tampa, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll discount them. But that you're right, that'll end up being the year that Toronto goes on a little bit of a run. So uh, as long as they don't have to play Boston, I think Toronto's going to be happy. That's going to do it for us here. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you tomorrow before a big-time game, Vegas and Vancouver. That's tomorrow right here on Fox Sports, Las Vegas.